Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of a songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. Well, we are closing in on the end of season two already, and I, I can't believe it. Now, we have one more scheduled uh, for you next week, but keep an eye on the socials. If you haven't found us on Facebook or Instagram yet, uh, Instagram yet please please do so and like. Uh, we'll keep you posted. We'll take a little couple of months off. Probably March, um, we'll be uh, starting again with season three, and we can only hope for the same kind of success as we had in season two. Folks, you've really made it a popular downca- uh, down uh, uh, podcast uh, with all your downloads. Loads. Uh, we're approaching 30,000 downloads right now as we speak, and that's all That's all because of you. So we, we thank you uh, for spreading it around on your socials and telling people about it, our little humble show from Nashville. So um, we've got a great guest for you today. Uh, and, you know, we, we pride ourselves in... Sp- in spanning the genres, and we've talked to past uh, in the past to how I, I hate to put in putting anybody into a box or a genre, but uh, this guy is, uh, you know, <laughs> Kieran Gupta is our yeah. guest, and he refuses to be in any box yeah. or genre. But but let me tell you, he's done a lot, and uh, we're going to meet him, and we're going to hear some music uh, in just a little bit. First, I got to tell you about Discover Sooner, our local sponsor. Discover Sooner though is all over the world. DiscoverSooner.com Started by my friend, uh, CEO Nancy Deckett, who is our guest uh, season two. Uh, I think it was podcast two. Uh, check it out because she's a great songwriter as well, a music pub- publisher and a plugger. And this is a great organization that she put together to connect folks, get you discovered sooner, build relationships with not only other songwriters, but the publishers that can help you as- along as well. So after the podcast today, if you would go to discoversooner.com, we would very much appreciate that. Yeah. Kieran Gupta is our guest today. He is a multi-instrumentalist, currently on the road, but we've taken a little time off the road with uh, The War and Treaty, which we're going to talk a lot about. That is one amazing group. Uh, he's got a new album that just came out called Caged Free with his style of jazz, fusion. How would you describe it, Kieran? Uh, it's a little bit of everything. A little bit yeah, of everything. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Just soul music. Soul, know, soul, soul jazz. Soul yeah, that's, jazz. That's kind of at the heart of everything. So, yeah, it's my Hammond organ trio. So. Cool. How about we start with a song from that, that record? Let's, let's go ahead and do it. Okay, and this has got a lead... Uh, singer that we know, huh? Oh yeah, good friend of ours. <laughs> yeah, uh, we could, yeah, we could talk about her later too. Yeah, yeah we'll do okay. that. Listen to her voice, though you're gonna love it. Karen Gupta from Caged Free. This is called "Not Another Requiem" on the podcast Songwriter Connection.
Well, if you enjoyed that track as much as I did, you'll be happy to know it's available. It's out there. It's from the record Caged Free by our guest, Kieran Gubda. Yeah. How are you, Kieran? Oh, I'm doing much better now that I'm here with you, Dave. It's been a, it's been it's, a long time. It know? has been. It's but so yeah, good to see you. So good to see you, too. Kieran and I used to work together at the Ryman Auditorium, and that's where I got to know him. But uh, these days, things blowing up for you, huh? It's yeah, a whole new yeah, world. It's, it? uh, yeah, it's happened very recently, very quickly, uh-huh. and uh, you just kind of have to be, be ready and roll with it. Yeah, yes. And I think you've been ready for some time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're going to get into all that, your background sure, and everything. Yeah. So you've got amazing stories to share. But I want to talk about that track right yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not another Requiem. Yes. Um, first of all, the voice. First time uh, I heard uh, heard her sing was on the stage of the Ryman Auditorium. Exactly. So um, it's uh, our, Dave and I, uh, our friend Lauren Hedrick was Lauren singing that. Yeah, that was She's not me singing. Yeah, wonderful. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. So, and we also, yeah, we all worked together at the Ryman Auditorium. Mm-hmm. And uh, the funniest thing is when I first met Lauren, she started working there a few months after I did. Yeah. And when she was working there, and um, I could hardly hear her voice. No. Like she'd speak very softly. Yes, she was very she's reserved. She was very, you know. yeah. And then, you know, we got to talking and uh, we got to get to know each other. And uh, she studied, you know, musical theater performance in New York City you know, wow. as a vocalist and a performer. And you studied and in New York City. Too. I did study in New York. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we were there at the same time. So we kind of connected a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. And I asked her one day, like, you know, who are your influences as far as singing? And she said, Christina Aguilera and Aretha Franklin. And I, oh. I was like, okay, sure. Combination. Why, you know, yeah. I, I didn't believe it, you know, for a <laughs> second. And then we were at a blues jam. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a... It was a pro blues jam. It was at the local back then. It was uh-huh. the Tuesday night jam that Kara Lippman used to. We've um, talked to about the local yeah. show a lot. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, place, it's great venue. cool place. Great stage and all that. You know, uh-huh. so and I, I got up there with Lauren. And I was like, and she decided to sing Superstition, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> wow. And. The voice that came out of it, it made no sense. It made absolutely no sense. <laughs> where is it coming from? I, where is it? Yeah. yeah. And to, to a point where I remember thinking, like, I have to write something for this voice. Yeah, I like, thought the same you know, thing. It was like, this, this yeah. voice needs to be heard. Yeah. I need to do something with that. So um, yeah. as far as the song goes, um, so I was writing a poem. I remember this was several years ago. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like we were kind of experiencing, I mean, just, the country, the world, like there were so many disasters happening like mm-hmm. one after another. We yeah. didn't have time to mourn one until another one happened. Yeah. So I think there was a lot of tension and stress kind of, you know, in the world. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of writing a poem, kind of expressing that. And at the same time, I was fooling around with like a, like a melodic, like kind of a chordal uh, little riff. Mm-hmm. I realized, oh, these two things could actually work together. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, uh, just kind of just molded them together. And that's what the song that came out of it was. Oh, and, um, and then I met Lauren. I was like, okay, these are the pieces that I, I need. And uh, the, the band feature there is my Hammond organ trio. So, yeah, we're called Kieran Gupta Cage Free. Mm-hmm. Uh, the album's called um, Cla- uh, what? Happy Thoughts on Cloudy oh, Days. So, and, yeah. and here I was and, saying it was called Cage Free. Yeah, that's, that's your that's, band. That's a band name. Yeah, that's a band name. No, my right. bad. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> and um, no, So, yeah, it was yeah. featuring um, my dear friend Val Lepescu on guitar, who uh-huh. uh, I owe so much to him. He was one of the first guys I met in town. Is he the one that's killing the lead on that song? Oh, my God. Oh, man. Yeah, and then yeah. you come in with that Hammond yeah. organ lead. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. but... Um, I mean, yeah, Val, brilliant, brilliant musician. One of the first guys I met in town. And uh, uh, my drummer is Daniel Cox on drums. And, oh, wow. and Daniel, he works a lot in town. Uh, I'm sure you'll cross paths with him. Mm-hmm. Two of the most brilliant musicians I've ever wow. had the opportunity to play with. So, And, you know, when you write a song, it's one thing. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're proud of it. But then when you bring it in front of people that just put that much life into it. Yeah. Like, I didn't even know that was possible. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when I, even when I listened back to that track, I was like, I can't believe like we did that you know like i think i'm sure you have those moments too where it's like that happened you know and, that really happened and i'm glad we recorded it you know it's like, yeah. like with lauren's voice val's guitar playing and daniel like everything 
Like all the notes, like it, it, it serves a purpose. Did, did you record it live? Uh, like live on the. Uh, we recorded the band live. The band live. The band was live, mm-hmm. and uh, then we brought Lauren in a, a few days later to record the track over. She it. just added the track. She just the, added the, the vocals track. track on top of what you guys did live. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I sent her like a scratch version of it so she can have practice along with it, uh-huh. and then she laid it down. And the funniest thing, when we were in the studio, mm-hmm. uh, she kept, you know, she, she did a couple takes, and our engineer had to go up to her and say, "Hey, can you stand back?" a little bit you're almost breaking the microphone like that's how strong her voice was powerful so there's moments where it kind of feels like she's going back she's physically moving away from the wow. microphone so she doesn't break the microphone she, so. she's something else she, yeah she yeah really so is. yeah and uh yeah hopefully we get to work again together soon because I, um, I remember watching her on the rhyming stage singing aretha franklin song oh yeah i just yeah I'm yeah like, oh my god it, it's, it's something else it, yeah yeah so i'm she's really very something. very grateful for uh, them lending the talents to this, yeah. you know, to this project. You have been doing so much. Um, so let's start with right now. You're yeah. kind of putting all of your uh, efforts into uh, touring with the Warren Treaty. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. Man, yeah. I'm, I'm, if you don't know the Warren Treaty, Google them. Listen, they're incredible, right? They are incredible. Uh, two incredible musicians, incredible people. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the two most prolific songwriters I've ever met in my life. Really? Oh my goodness! Like, wow. I mean, they're just—it's just constant creativity around yeah. them. So, um, the way I got involved with them, I actually met their musical director, Max Brown, on guitar. Mm-hmm. Also, a brilliant musician, you know. And we connected up at a blues jam, and we just kind of remained friends. This was several years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he, I think he was always talking about, "Hey, we should kind of bring me into you know the mix a little bit." And yeah. it, it, we tried; it just didn't work out, you know. And then, of course, the pandemic hit, and everything kind of went away. So there was a lot of uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I kind of forgot about it, you mm-hmm. know. And you know, they they were kind of trying to. Uh, they had an album out that they were trying to push a little bit but then in august um my buddy max he sends me this text message and he goes hey um i got two shows for you with the warren treaty if you want them i said absolutely i said absolutely let's let's do it like i didn't Uh even check my calendar i was like yes i'm canceling everything else on there and he's like okay cool Uh, let me check back with him and i'll I'll let you know what the shows are i was like, all right so he goes okay yeah yeah you got the you got the clear the two shows are the grand old opry and the railbird music festival in lexington kentucky oh two little shows yeah, right two little shows. <laughs> yeah. so i was like all right yeah, here we are he's like yeah we got a rehearsal at their house on this day and oh. and i i mean my heart skipped a couple beats and you know i was like yeah. oh okay that's like playing the opry my very Unfair. first gig with the warren treaty was the grand old opry show you know? a pinch me a, yeah. a moment right and then also in between those two gigs uh, we actually got to record at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals. Oh, so man. yeah, we did a track there. Yeah, you, you can't say I got a sweater on, but check my t-shirt out. Oh man, the, the, yeah, yeah, there it is. Got there my is. Fame He's t-shirt got his fame on. T-shirt on. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, so I got to record there in between those two gigs, too. Well, those so. are two uh, monumental things. I mean, you dream about recording at, at Fame yeah. and playing on the Grand Ole Opry, and bam, just like that. That, that happened in the same week for me. <laughs> Yeah. I had a whole week. lot of nothing, and then in the same week, I'm playing the Grand Ole Opry show. I'm getting chills yeah, for you, right at the so, my back of my neck. So tell me about, uh, the, the, when you go into Fame Studio, oh, all yeah. those amazing songs it, there yeah. that were produced, I and mean, you're sitting in that studio. It's, I mean, first of all, just, you know, getting that the call for the warranty. Like, yeah. I mean, I was... I've never been that nervous before. Okay. Like even during a rehearsal, because like I didn't know what what their style was. You know, mm-hmm. like if they're gonna you know micromanage everything I'm playing or. Right. So I remember in rehearsal we were you know we we're um, kind of <sighs> going over the songs for the opera, mm-hmm. and I kept playing. I kept asking, "Hey, is that cool? Is that cool?" Yeah, yeah I kept stopping. And I remember Michael and Tanya of the Warren Tree. They, they finally just stopped me. I was like, "Hey." 
yeah, you're good. You you're know, good? Yeah, if you feel it, play it. Mm. Like that was it. That was the only rule they gave me, and like it's been pretty much like that ever since. So okay. they're very free. They you know, like just that level of trust that I got from them right up front. That makes made, you feel good. It, it, confident, it made, doesn't it? That yeah. made all the difference, honestly. Yeah. So I was able to kind of calm down, really get into the music because when you get into your head too much, like that's when you start making mistakes, and you know it just yeah. doesn't feel authentic or genuine or anything like that. So, yeah. but yeah, when we went into fame. So you know, they ask you to, to to play on the track when they record. Yeah, and yeah. so wow. And this was before you know, and you know, like I got the call to do the the recording session mm-hmm. before we even played the Grand Ole Opry too. So oh, gosh, you know, great. so we get, we get into fame, and uh, you know, everything's all set up. And just about the crazy history there. So I'm sitting mm-hmm. at, it's a Hammond A100 organ that yeah. I was recording on. I'm just kind of warming it up, you know, just kind of getting a feel for mm-hmm. how everything's working. And one of the techs, uh, technicians comes up to me and goes, oh, yeah, that's the Hammond organ that Greg Allman was using. <laughs> and then walks away. You know, I was like, okay. Yeah, so that, no like, pressure. Yeah, that's the world we're living in. And then the, he goes, so there was like a Wurlitzer keyboard like that was set up right next to me. Like nobody was really using it. He goes, yeah, that's the exact Wurlitzer, the exact instrument on Aretha Franklin's I've never loved a man uh, that's where they figured out the song was yeah. on that instrument Spooner, right there Spooner Oldham exactly the, the yeah. yeah yeah that, it was on that instrument yeah. I was like I, I can't touch this stuff. like uh, how am I touching this stuff unbelievable you know? so, and they used those instruments those that, in, are the instruments in circulation there I, I, I've seen them at tour on tours yeah. of Ryman I mean of, uh, of, of uh, fame. fame yeah but yeah I mean it, it, again chills right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah it doesn't feel and of course they have all their iconic albums on the wall oh yeah I mean yeah. Wilson Pickett Eddie yeah. James you know, Aretha James, Franklin. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Rolling Stones recorded there. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. like... It's, well, it's, down the, the street. At, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, all Muscle Shoals. Allman Brothers, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Allman, yeah. yeah Dwayne yeah, Allman, Dwayne, many... Yeah. Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne Allman, uh, yeah. many songs there. Absolutely, many tracks, yeah. So. so there you are, yeah. just fitting in, cool. Yeah, I'm, and, you know. um, so, <laughs> yeah... So yeah, that's, yeah. that's just kind of how it started. Yeah, uh, we played the Opry, and we had a, we brought a huge band. We had a, like a ten piece band on the Opry. Did like, you really? Yeah, it was, they just like let's go all out. You know, we're playing. Wow. That was their first time with a full band on the Opry, I, I think, or maybe not. Uh, but yeah. they, we just kind of went all out. And uh, one of the guitar players, my buddy Matt Lawrence, was on it, and like we started at the Blues Jams together. So you know, just kind of hanging on the wings of the stage. We're like it's kind of far away from those Blues Jams. But, you know, we're on the edge <laughs> of the Opry stage. You know, yeah. And I remember. Um, like we were kind of towards the middle of the show, mm-hmm. we're on the wings of the stage, like the whole band just kind of taking it in because they're like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel real. No, like, I bet the it whole doesn't. thing didn't like I, it didn't feel real until I saw my name on their parking list. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, now I'm meant to be here. like the whole day. I was like, something's gonna go wrong. You should have taken a picture. Did be, you take a picture of that? I, I didn't. I didn't. But I'll tell you like, right after um, yeah. we played. So we're hanging on the the wings of the stage. Uh-huh. Del McCurry's band on stage. Oh god crushing it you know like unbelievable you know like I mean, he was one of the bluegrass boys with you yeah. know bill monroe so it's as authentic bluegrass music <laughs> as you can get right yeah. <laughs> we noticed the banjo player he moves away for some reason during the performance huh? we're like what's going on yeah apparently he broke a string oh. during the song <laughs> he didn't have a spare banjo pulls a string out of his pocket starts restringing his banjo on stage during like the mandolin or fiddle solo like <laughs> tightens it all up goes back plays a banjo solo and they finish off the song like, what a pro yeah <laughs> that's, that, that's rock and roll right there that's amazing yeah so yeah and we got to see that you know well, like, like right there and probably nobody else noticed but you were there up well close. i mean they, they were filming that yeah. and i think people started to kind of figure out like oh wow. okay that's what's going on and like so it was cool. live on air live wow. on air so live, yeah it's like and yeah. then we took the stage and it felt like 
you know, 30 seconds later, we're back in our dressing room. We're like, did that actually happen? <laughs> it just blows by so quick. Uh, and those dressing rooms backstage at the Opry, they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty cool. They're yeah, pretty cool. yeah, they're really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we had a separate one for the band. Michael and Tanya had their room. And, uh-huh. and yeah, just hanging out backstage with, like, Del McCurry. And I think Jeannie Seeley showed up. You know, oh, and, like, wow. and they're just walking around like you're one of them. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah, I mean, you know, like working at the Ryman, we see those people all the time. You know, but like, but but there's like that division. You know, we're working there. Yeah, but but now you're now it's just like oh over the line exactly, and (laughs) that felt kind of kind of strange. Yeah, when they're kind of catering to you a little bit. But um, on that night. was my uh, my good friend Wes, who works at the the Ryman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually um, stage managing the Opry that night by himself for the first time. Oh, wow. So his debut stage managing the Opry was my debut. Yeah. On the, so we got to connect on that. That's and afterwards, nice. he, he ran up to me. He, he, uh, and he's like, hey, man, I want you to have this. It was the official set list for the Opry that they have at the stage manager's desk. Nice. And he gave that to me for my first Opry. So I have that. You have it framed yet? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd frame that maybe in... I, I know, yeah. So yeah. I, I have that, which That's is really wonderful. cool. wonderful. Yeah, to give me that. So. Yeah. First little, of many memento, pieces yeah. of great memorabilia to come for you, Kieran. Man, no. I want to hear another song. I know you brought your piano Yeah, today. I did. Um, so and we're live around the dining room table. So are. that's one of the things that we love to do is just jam. Yeah, so exactly. tell us about something here and, and play it for us. So, I mean, since we're kind of in the cold weather a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, my hands are still a little cold, how about I just warm up for you? Is this is yeah. what I usually do what for you do to warm up? I just play a blues, man. Like, yeah. I, I just... I... So, so I'll just go ahead and warm up a little bit for you and... I'm not getting the shit. Oh, there it is. There it is. I had to hit a button. I'm so sorry. All right, let's let's do it. Let's do it.
the piano stylings yeah. of Kieran Gupta. Yeah, this is a little warm-up for you. <laughs> Just a warm-up yeah. right there. You know, this is still an audio-only podcast. I wish I had cameras rolling on that so, so people could see that your hands were flying oh, across man. those <laughs> piano keys. It's just a warm-up, right? Yeah, now. just yeah. kind of get, 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 yeah. get everything loose. You know, get, get the blood flowing loose. a little bit. <laughs> I'm loose now. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of jazz music. I may have told you over the years, my first job in radio was jazz. Yeah, I think you um, did mention that. And to me, yeah. I, I most particularly love piano jazz. Yeah. And, um, did you have any favorites? Because I know oh, absolutely. jazz I mean, has really uh, influenced you. Huh? Yeah, yeah, and I mean... It's one of those things that's like, who didn't influence me? Yeah. You, know, like, you learn something from everybody. Sure. But I mean, my guys were like, Oscar Peterson ah, yeah. was, was my favorite. Yeah. I actually got to see Oscar Peterson when I was in high school. There was a jazz club in Oakland, mm-hmm. California called Yoshi's. Yoshi's. It's a Japanese restaurant and jazz club. And, oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, I practically grew up there, you know, especially when I found out like all the jazz greats who were still living at the time. We're they playing the Yoshi's, yeah. Wow. So my dad and I, we went and saw, like, I had to beg my dad because it was $100 a ticket, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, that's kind of a, that's kind of a lot, you know, so, but I was like, this is my hero, I gotta see him. Yeah. And it was a two, two set show and unbelievable show. Um, he had, like, Oscar Peterson had suffered a stroke in the 90s, like, yeah. his left hand wasn't as, you know, prominent as it used to be, but I mean, it was incredible. He had still his, could play. Oh yeah, he could still play. He had his European band, uh, Niels Henning Ersted Peterson on bass, Martin Drew on drums. And Ulf, I think it's pronounced Vicanius on guitar. Uh-huh. And um, unbelievable. Like he, They played a lot of his compositions, too, which I, I had no idea. he like Because I always knew him from all the standards that he kind of yeah. took over. But he, oh, he yeah. writes incredible, or he, he had written incredible music back then. So that was one. Of course, like Bill Evans, Thelonious yeah. Monk. You know, Thelonious, yeah. You know, so all those guys. McCoy Tyner. McCoy Tyner. Yeah. I got to see McCoy Tyner. Did you see McCoy Tyner? Yeah. yeah. And it was a trio with Harvey Mason on drums and Ron Carter on bass. Oh, yeah, yeah, too. yeah. So, oh, yeah. man, the former Miles Davis bass player. Yeah, so. Miles Davis. That's right. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, of course, Nicole uh, Tyner uh, was Coltrane for, for yeah, yeah, Coltrane. Yeah, yeah that's that still one of my favorites. Incredible quartet. Yeah, yeah. So, when did you first start getting interested in, in jazz music? In jazz, okay. So, I mean, my parents stuck me in piano lessons when I was five years old. Five years old, just yeah. to kind of were, keep now, me. Out were, were they musical too? Or, or not no? really. I mean, my no? mom played a little piano. Uh, uh-huh. My dad is kind of self-taught on guitar. Yeah, you know, but um, they wanted me to have an activity that pretty much just kept me out of trouble. And yeah. like, uh, we had a piano in the house, which was okay. uh, like my dad bought my mom a piano. Uh-huh. And the thing that was happening a lot, like when I was when I was really little, my mom would be practicing piano. I just run out of whatever room I was and start banging on the keys. I would uh, just disrupt her piano <laughs> practice every single time. So I thought, hey, maybe we should stick this kid in the left. You know? <laughs> and so um, my piano teacher at the time, she didn't take anybody below the I think the age of seven. But my parents convinced, hey, okay, he's he's got you know something. So a little talent there. Yeah, yeah, and and piano did come naturally for me for a while. But um, yeah. it wasn't until elementary school, like in second grade, I remember my music teacher his name is Ron Thorpe and it was a music appreciation course and most kids like they wanted to do the PE the sports and stuff outside but I was really into the whole music appreciation thing mm-hmm. he played a recording of Louis Armstrong wow. and it was the West End Blues and it was the first time I heard it and I remember thinking immediately what was that <laughs> how do I get to do that? Yeah. You know, and I remember that whole day I was just And you're how old? I was uh eight, seven eight, or eight years seven old. Eight? Yeah. Wow. And um 
I remember just keep repeating his name over and over in my head, Louis Armstrong. Yeah, I, I didn't want to forget. I mean, I could have written it down somewhere, but like, <laughs> no, I, I just kept saying it over and over. Grained in your head. Yeah, and and yeah. then um, I think like the next week, my family and I, we just went to like a department store or something, mm-hmm. and there was this CD collection that I saw, mm-hmm. and it was Columbia Records has a CD um, compilation series called This Is Jazz, mm-hmm. and it was a four CD set, and one of it was this guy Louis Armstrong. <laughs> so, and there was three other CDs. So, and I begged my parents to get it and, and we got it wow you know and the other cds were some guy named count basie count yeah, and this other guy named duke Ellington. <laughs> and then the fourth cd was actually even more important it was a sampler of all the other series uh-huh. so i had like one track from dave brubeck one from miles davis one from art oh, blake and the jazz messengers uh, tony Thank bennett yeah yeah you know all that so that kind of broadened my horizons and then when you figure out that Wait, all these jazz musicians, they have their own records, but yeah. they play on each other's records. Like, yeah. And there's this whole, it all branches out. And it's one of the coolest things you know, yeah. to see. It really is. You know, yeah. so, and that, that's what really got me into it. Yeah. Well, that's good. And you went to school to study music? I did. UCLA at first? I went to UCLA. Mm-hmm. I studied I, um, what's called ethnomusicology. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you, what is that? Okay, good. Ethnomusicology. Uh, yeah, Honestly, I didn't really know what it was until I got there either. <laughs> so I had this idea of like, you know, it was like world music, right? Yeah. But it's not quite. It's actually a little bit more important than that. Yeah. Uh, so ethnomusicology actually means music and culture. Okay. So the ethno part comes from the word ethnology. So the study of culture. Uh-huh. And of course, the musicology is the study of music. So it's actually what music means to people. Wow. You know, and the department at UCLA was the only undergrad department like in existence. So, yeah, I was able to go there. It was started by... Um, Charles Seeger, that whole department, and uh, whose famous son Pete Seeger, you know, oh, okay. yeah, that that Seeger clan, yeah, wow, okay, and um, it was what was really cool when I was at UCLA. One of my mentors there was Anthony Seeger, so Pete Seeger's nephew wow. was one of my um, mentors there, and like you know, he taught us about protest music and yeah. like how the business works and stuff like that. And I remember when I was at UCLA, we uh, put on a completely student-run music festival, and he was very supportive nice. of that. You know, so cool. it really kind of broadened my horizons there. I started studying Indian classical music when I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played tabla, so the, in, the North Indian hand drums. Mm-hmm. And uh, my guru there, his name is Abhiman Kaushal. And Abhimanji, he is a, I mean, brilliant musician, but uh, he was uh, Ravi Shankar's tabla player when Ravi Shankar and George Harrison were touring together. Oh so, my. so he got to hang out with one of the Beatles, which was oh, really yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, wow, wow. Yeah, and so, I mean, that's what we were dealing with out there. And, like, mm-hmm. you're in L.A. Yeah. And, I mean, my classmates were brilliant. My t- Our teachers were in the scene. You know, like, we turn on American Idol and see our teachers on TV. Yeah. You know, or the Grammys or the Oscars, and they were right there. Mm. The jazz department head at UCLA at the time was Kenny Burrell, mm-hmm. legendary jazz guitar player. Yeah. The guitar player on What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong, <laughs> you know. And had the iconic, you know, jazz organ trios with Jimmy Smith and, like, his album, like the only jazz guitarist to have it record an album with John Coltrane. Wow. You know, so, and wow. he would, yeah, he would like tell us stories. And we had Gerald Wilson there, iconic big band arranger and leader. Wow. And he used to arrange for Duke Ellington. What yeah. mentors, yeah. what teachers. And Man. just to kind of be around that. It's, I mean, now looking back, I was like, damn, that was, that was really something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, we had all sorts of music going on there. And I bet it wasn't easy. Huh? It was demanding, no, I bet, for yeah, your craft. And, huh? Well, especially, you know, especially going to school for it. Cause I mean, you're there to, I mean, you have to take classes and stuff, but you're yeah. also there to kind of, you know, play too. I, so I, to I, kind of balance all that out was, yeah. was a little tough sometimes. I'm so. flashing to that, that movie, uh, what's that movie with the drummer and Oh, Whiplash. Whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything like that, right? 
uh, UCLA wasn't, but I've had some <laughs> teachers who actually were pretty intense like that. And like, you know, you kind of have to rise up to the occasion. But, Are um, you Russian or dragon? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. No. And nothing um, that tough. Huh? But I also studied music composition while I was out there too. Yeah. So I and I want to get into major. that. Yeah, I, I do. But I want to hear another piece from you. Oh, another piece. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to talk about composition okay. next. And and your, your move from uh, California to New York. To New York. Yeah. My cost a little. Yeah, yeah. We'll hear all that. All Let's right. hear another song. Let's hear another song. All right. With you. Um, so this is actually one I wrote during the pandemic. Uh, well, so when the, the pandemic kind of hit, all my work in uh, Nashville kind of just disappeared. So my parents convinced me to kind of move back home for a bit, and then, uh, mm-hmm. I was able to kind of chill out for a little bit. But what happened? There was one moment um, that really struck me. Kind of like I, I wasn't really ready for it, but it was the passing of Representative John Lewis. Yeah, you know, it was kind of had a huge impact. Like you know, and just thinking about. You know, like the civil rights movement. Right. Most of the the civil rights you know leaders and icons, they either died or were murdered before I was even born. Right. You know, just so to share the same time as a civil rights icon really had an impact. On and me, working you know? at the Ryman and working at the yeah, yeah, yeah. where he you know received a scholarship yeah. from Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> in 1961, like that yeah. was it was pretty wild. To, like so, all those kind of I don't know emotions kind of came together. So I yeah. decided to write a song for him. Right. So this one's called. On the right side of the bridge. Cool. Thank you. 
You're in Gupta. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Pretty important composition. Yeah, right there. yeah thank you. Thank right you. side of the bridge. Yeah, on the right side of the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Have you recorded that yet? Not yet, not yet. Uh, yeah, there's a during that pandemic, I, I actually... I got a lot of writing done, you know, yeah. you know, spending some time at home. My dad actually flew out to Nashville, uh, I think it was, uh, what, September of 2020. Yeah. And we just packed up my car, drove a bunch of my gear back to California just to kind of wait out this whole period of time. And mm-hmm. I was home for about six months, you know, and I uh, got a lot of writing done, a lot of practicing done. And It's good that yeah. you get to spend some time with family. Yeah, I spend some time with family. I don't get a chance to do that much. And uh, so, yeah, I got to... And my parents live in, you know, Northern California in wine country. So oh, I boy. Hang out with the dog, you know, and play some music and <laughs> yeah. be connected with a lot of musician friends out there, which was a, oh, um, nice. yeah, I think, I think I needed a refresher for sure. Yeah. Cause uh, 2019 was a very busy year for me. Like, yeah. I mean, I played. You were like with five different bands in, in 19? I was uh, with 16 different, 16 <laughs> different bands. Yeah. You were yeah. in demand, my yeah. friend. So yeah, yeah, things were going real hard, you know, real yeah. hard, you know, real fast. And then of course, when 2020 hit, we just hit this brick wall, yeah. like, and everybody Tragic. hit that yeah. at the same time. Yeah, it was hard for musicians. It was. It was very hard. Um, and venues. Yeah, and the Ryman. Yeah, yeah. 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 So a lot of the yeah. small venues, yeah, a lot of them yeah. didn't make it out, which is really sad. It's so sad. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was uncharted territory. You, know? you need to record that last song. I, yes, you do. Yeah. I want to hear a jazz record. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been playing it with my trio. Yeah, Have we, you? We've been playing yeah. it out, and okay. yeah, we've been really kind of finding our space within it, which is you know really exciting with those guys. So let's talk about Kieran uh, Gupta, the uh, uh, the guy that composes music. The com- it, okay, it, it really get into composition a little bit here. Yeah, I know you've written uh, a score for the film. Uh, yes, yeah, Love Arcadia. Love Arcadia. Yes, and that's, that's a, out there on uh, Prime uh, right now. I believe it's on Amazon Prime still. Yeah, so yeah. that was back in. Wow, 2015. I was it really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the story of that, like, um, my sister actually, she was working as a production assistant for that film. The one I met recently. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She's she, Yeah. She. Yeah. She came out to the, the to your round, which yeah. is which is great. It was just a really great. It's so like, good to meet her. You know, yeah. and, and talk about ethnomusicology. You're doing yeah. exactly what you, we study in school. You're creating a community. It's all about yeah. the community, and you're really bringing something special to the community out well, here. Which you, you know, and so yeah. No, I mean that, that's that's just how these things survive. You mm. know? And we're finding that out firsthand, especially coming out of this whole pandemic mess that we're in. So, yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, that that film. So it was in 2015. My sister was working as an assistant on it, mm-hmm. and I, I think they were like shopping around. They're like, "Hey, we kind of need a composer for it." Mm-hmm. So she just threw my name in the mix. Said, hey, my brother does this stuff, and she sent me a copy of the script from the movie. Okay, I read it in one night. It was that good. <laughs> that you know, good. It was very charming. Um, so the story is about um, a young Asian American boy, um, like. All of his friends are just graduating from high school, and his friends are going off to college and stuff. All he wants to do is work at his parents' boba tea shop in Arcadia, California. <laughs> but then a real estate developer comes in, so that's where all the tension comes out of it. So it's a very charming story. And uh, so I read it in one night. I wanted the gig. So um, that next day, I just sat at the piano. I just wrote a bunch of little riffs that, insp- that I found like inspired me from, from the story. Yeah. And I just recorded little bits, and I just sent it to him. I was like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Like I read the script. And they were like, Oh my god, that's amazing! Like wow. no one, like, like we, were just, we didn't think anybody would, you know, take nice. it so seriously. You know, because like yeah. when you're all starting out, you know, you don't know who's gonna, you know, yeah. yeah. So and you know, so 
I said in that, they're like, yeah, you got the gig. I was like, awesome. Uh-huh. And they're like, you know, we can't really pay you. You know, and I, I didn't expect it. You know, it's a, you know, short, you know, a small budget film. Yeah. It was like, hey, you'll get an IMDb credit and, you know, we'll fly you out for the premiere and, you know, we'll, we'll do as much as we can for it. I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing it for the money. I just kind of want the experience and all that. And so right, you know, right. we're all on the same page. And they're like, okay, uh, can you have it done in two weeks? Ah. <laughs> it's a 99 minute film. And, and oh um, in the industry, you know, like I studied that a little bit. So you should get two months for a project like that. Right. So I, I was like, yeah, I can do it in two weeks. It's going to be mostly piano music. So, <laughs> so um, I spent, yeah, a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah, I pulled yeah. all nighters. Um, did and you it, record it in your own I did. like and home studio? So this is the yeah. craziest thing. So like uh, we communicated through let's say video chat, through text message, e- email. They would drop box me the reels, phone calls, text messages, the whole deal. And um, so they yeah they drop box me the reel. I'd record to the reel and send it back to them. Mm. You know I was in New York and they were in California. You know so I just did it at the piano. I, I was using you know my computer. I use Logic Pro. You know mm-hmm. so yeah. That was what I was most familiar with, and um, and just kind of did the whole thing there, and uh, yeah, got it done in, in two weeks. And the craziest thing, test. well, the Man. craziest thing was I didn't meet the director or the writers or anybody until the premiere in San Francisco when they flew me out. Wow, yeah. So <laughs> like we did the entire project without ever meeting in person. How did so, it feel to be watching this movie and hearing hearing stuff that you composed uh, underneath? In the theater, that was weird. Like, that was crazy. You know, just to see yeah. the big screen. And then, like, you know, my name popped up as a composer. And, you know, so yeah. that, that was really pretty cool. That was kind of like a childhood dream of mine to be a film composer. And um, my, my, you know, my goals changed throughout the time. But to yeah. get that opportunity to do that was really pretty amazing. I bet you'd love to do it again. Though. I would. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Now, the film is called Love Arcadia. Yes. You can find it on Amazon. I'm going to find that. Yeah, yeah. This weekend. Be... And I'm going to watch that. Movie. Yeah. It's, it's it's a very charming little film. Very so cool. I'm very happy now, to be a part of it. Now I also see you, you composed uh, music for uh, Heather um, um, uh, Hanson, who oh, yeah, Jim yeah. Hanson's uh, oh. and the puppets, right? His daughter. That was a crazy experience. Yeah. So basically, um, that's all thanks to my friend, my dear friend Ty Defoe. You see, and, you see uh, how the connections kind of work in. You, you have to know. Yeah. And so I was in New York. Get around. Yeah, yeah. So I was in New York, actually going to grad school. Yeah. Uh, I went to NYU. And that's what brought you from L.A. to yeah. New York grad school. Well, there was a time in between. Well, was it? I, I had a I had a couple of years in there where I was actually teaching. So okay. I had yeah, I had no direction after graduating from UCLA. Like I couldn't get a job in L.A. that could pay rent and bills and stuff like that. So yeah. I actually moved back home. I was in a I was in a pretty rough spot right, yeah. right after graduate, as a lot of people are. Yeah. You know. Luckily my parents were like, hey, just come back home, regroup a little bit and see what you could do next. Mm-hmm. I got rejected from every grad school I applied to that oh, year. Yeah. Right. So like I was in a I was in a, not a great shape. But um my high school band director, his name is Steven Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, he was having dinner with my parents and he was saying, Hey, this is gonna be my last year. I'm gonna retire after this year, you know, teaching high school. And his wife's like, hey, well, you said you need an assistant. Why don't you just hire Kieran as your assistant? <laughs> you know, so I was like, yeah, I have nothing better and anything else to do. So I went back and I taught high school. Uh, I was his assistant director there. And then I went to the, over to the middle school as the assistant director there. Those two years teaching, that's what got me back into music. Like, yeah. It just kind of reminds you like why I did it. Yeah. You, know, like, you, you learn just as much as you teach, don't oh, you? I, I, you learn more, but you can't let the students know <laughs> you that. Can't like, like, you can't let them know that. So, yeah, yeah. Like, and I mean, a lot of the, you know, some, some of the days was like, ooh, I hope they forget about all that tomorrow. You know, kind yeah. of yeah. But like, and I wasn't really trained to be an actual you know, school teacher. Like, right. I was just going by what I knew, what my instincts were, and stuff like that. Right. Those were two of the most fulfilling years of my life, though. Yeah. You know? So you decided to pr- pr- pursue it? 
even deeper and 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 got accepted at where'd you Columbia uh, NYU 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 yeah, so that kind of gave me like you know when I was teaching I would always say like hey lead by example lead by example but yeah. the thing is I wasn't really leading by example you uh, know? I was like I don't I don't want to be a teacher yet uh-huh. you know like I yeah. still have a lot of other things I know guy, you know yeah yeah, yeah I was uh, what tw- in my early twenties back uh-huh. then you know so yeah. I, and um, so I I got accepted to NYU it's nice. it was the uh, Graduate at the Tisch School is the Graduate uh, Writing for Musical Theater Program, yeah, wow. uh, Musical wow. Theater Writing Program. Yeah, GMTWP. Yes, and um, I got accepted to that. It's a two years master's degree, only one of its kind, mm-hmm. and uh, and that program worked us. Yeah, yeah. it worked us real. Like I. It's not for the faint of heart. You yeah. know, I pulled all-nighters on weekends, just getting my stuff together. We're balancing four to five projects with four to five different people. Mm. That's all the first year. And then wow. the second year, you find one partner and you write a 90-minute musical together. Wow. And uh, you actually know my writing partner. Her name is Ashley Chapman. Oh. Yeah, so that's where we met. Yeah. So and we Ashley's all tearing it up on Broadway these on Broadway, days. Yeah, yeah. 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 So doing the drumming and singing at the and same time. And singing at the same time. Yeah. 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 How she so, does it. So, yeah. so, yeah, we met there. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I lived in New York for a couple years after graduating just trying to try to did get you play back. a lot there did you get to play um, not as much not mm-hmm. as much as that and like i wasn't really focused on playing either no i pretty much gave up playing actually after ucla because like some of those players i was around were just absolute monsters you know mm-hmm. so I, that kind of intimidated me a little bit yeah so um so i was in new york and um uh, my buddy ty defoe who i met at nyu mm-hmm. he uh calls me up and says, hey we want to jam tonight I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, we both were living in Harlem at the time, and he gives me this random, uh, this like email or this random address, and in the Upper East Side. And so I was like, all right. And then it was kind of a trek to get out there. He's like, yeah, bring your horn. And like I play trumpet as well. Yeah. So he's like, bring your horn, and you know we'll do something. And I was like, all right. Yeah. I show up to this address. It was, I had to take like you know a couple subways and a bus to cross the yard. Like it was like it was kind of a journey. Yeah. And it turns out like I, I went to the address, and Ty opens the door, and I walk in. And it was one of um, Jim Henson's studio, like workshops. Wow! Yeah, you know, the puppets and puppets. Yeah, yeah, it was where he kind of one yeah. of the spots where he was building puppets. And wow. it turned out that um, jam session wasn't quite a jam session. We mm. were improvising a score to one of Heather Henson's puppet shows wow. called Flight. Flight. And that was one of the most surreal experiences. Um, like she, hi- like first of all, the puppets were incredible. It was oh, it was about these cranes, the birds, these cranes, mm-hmm. and. Um, the puppets were so good, you didn't even notice the people, you know, behind them, like, you know, maneuvering and all that. Can only and, imagine. And then she hired a professional kite flyer, too. Like, you could fly a kite in, in your your in your dining room right here. Yeah, yeah it, it was wild. Yeah, it's wow. Like these incredible costume designers and stuff. So we were able to, it was me, my friend Ty, and... Um, his collaborator, Tataya, she was uh, uh, another one of our classmates. Wow. And yeah, and we just kind of made the score out of, you know, my trumpet and Native American flutes and percussion and piano. And we were actually able to perform that show a couple times. Wow. And one of it was for the International Indigenous People Conference in Brooklyn that year. Mm-hmm. You know, so and we had uh, Nobel mm-hmm. Peace Prize laureates in the audience and stuff like that. It was it was wow. Oh, cool. It was really pretty cool. Wow. So, and it was just one of those things. He just gave me the call and it just turned into something that, incredible like that. So that's how it, how it works sometimes. Now, what brought you from New York to Nashville? Well, so I was kind of trying to do the New York thing, and I was, you know, not being very successful. Um, so Ashley, who I mentioned earlier, um, mm-hmm. she was always talking about Nashville. You know, because mm-hmm. she had actually done a, a writer's, uh, I think, camp or something before moving to New York. So Nashville was always on her radar. So she always thought, I'm going to go to Nashville. And my thing was like, man, Nashville's just country music. Like, I'm not much <laughs> But of it's I'm not. not. It, well, I didn't yeah, know that. 
you didn't know that. That's what everybody thinks. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. Because I'm staying in New York. Yeah, that's where all the jazz music is. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And so she moved to Nashville first. And, you know, she started kind of making the rounds a little bit. And so she said, hey, you might want to come out and visit. I think you might like it. I was like, I mean, whatever. You know, I haven't, I've never <laughs> been here, but yeah, might, might as well check it out. Yeah. So I, in one trip, I, I spent three days here. In three days, I played more music than three months in New York. Wow. So I was like, okay, I think, I think I this think town's right. got, yeah, I think this yeah. town's got what is, yeah. We got some so, of the best musicians in the world. Absolutely. Right? And honestly, this yeah. town is unbelievable. Yeah. And like, and the community too. It's such a yeah. giving community. Absolutely. And um, so uh, I decided to make the move. Uh, yeah. I took a few months off, went back to California, kind of recharged a bit. Mm-hmm. Actually flew out to California. We drove my old car from California all the way to Nashville. And wow. uh, we just started kind of making making it here we thought we'd be songwriters here since we like studied like, yeah. pretty much the most intense songwriting program yeah. in the world yeah like, we could probably do this here right the problem was we didn't really know anybody so i started going to these blues jams and stuff and people started seeing me play keyboards and i started getting hired to play keys she started getting hired to play drums and sing and so <laughs> it didn't really kind of work out the way we planned it but it actually worked out much better in a lot of ways too. and today so. touring uh, all over the world with the Warren treaty and that's yeah, yeah. really something yeah you've got to you're, you're kind of in a break right now yes. right uh, but then after the holidays you're going to get busy again, we're going to get really busy yeah, the where are they year. taking you uh, um so right now on the bill uh we have um, we're going to Jamaica mm-hmm. uh, for the Government Mule Festival. Jamaica, man. Yeah, and then we're doing a Mexico for the Avid Brothers Festival oh, right boy. now. So, yeah. But then they're, they're building other tours for us right now. So. Playing, with the, yeah. playing with the bigs, man. Yeah. You're in yeah. the bigs. Yeah, and actually, yeah. these last two tours that I did with them was just, uh, yeah. Yeah, Lauren Dangle. Dangle, Dangle yeah. 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 Well, and then, I mean, I, honestly, I wasn't really supposed to be on John Legend, for, right? Yeah, we did, John, John Legend. we did the John Legend tour in September, and the thing yeah. about that was, like, when we rehearsed for the Railbird Festival, mm-hmm. you know, we had a great rehearsal, and Michael came up to me afterwards and said, hey, we want you for at least the first two John Legend shows if you can do it. Wow. I was like, yes, yes, I can do yeah. it. Yeah. So I'll do it. was <laughs> Atlanta, and it was at Nashville. Uh-huh. And Nashville's was at Ascend Amphitheater. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. that was, so I was like, yeah, we'll do nice. it. Yeah. So I got to do th- those two shows, and while we we're driving to Atlanta, our first show, like Michael texted me, he's like, "Hey, can you do the whole tour?" And I was <laughs> like, "Well, I mean, I have some Nashville stuff because I didn't think I was on any of it, so I booked a bunch of other shows that yeah. I couldn't back out of." So I was like, "Hey, if you let me do like take this week off and do Nashville stuff, I can rejoin you guys on the West Coast." Mm-hmm. And they okayed it. And, you know, I had oh. to get you know COVID tested and all that stuff, and um, so I I did all these Nashville shows. They flew me out to Oregon. They picked me up in Portland. We played in Bend, Oregon that night, and we finished off the tour that way. Isn't that something? Did I also see, because you do play horn. He's a multi-instrumentalist. Did I see that you played uh, horn with them one night? Yes, I did. So that's another crazy story. So uh, when we decided, when we, um, after the John Legend tour, we were literally home for two days, and then we hopped on to the Lauren Daigle tour. Mm -hmm. And the Lauren Daigle tour, the way it was set up, they didn't have enough inputs into their sound system for our full band. Mm -hmm. So I decided, just to take me on organ, uh, Max on guitar, and Michael and Tanya, and Michael plays piano too. So it was just four of us in arenas, well, you know. So these arena are ten, shows, yeah, ten to fifteen thousand people a night, <sighs> you know. And uh, we ended up doing twenty three shows like this. Was that nerve wracking? I mean, at first, like it, it would just it still doesn't even really feel real, <laughs> you know. So like we'd get off stage and like we'd get standing ovations every night, You're like, and we'd just be like, like that just, it just yeah, happened, yeah, right? yeah. So it's a lot of moments like that. I've been sure. following you on the socials, and I've been seeing yeah. some of the pictures from. From the stage out to the audience, and I'm like, wow, it's unbelievable. Living the yeah. dream, man. Yeah, and especially like that Lauren, like her crowd too is much different. Like, mm-hmm. like the John Legend crowd, they were great. 
Mm-hmm. But it took them a little bit to settle in, you know, because yeah. like they're there to hang out, you know. That's a very different vibe. Uh-huh. And by the like the second song, we had them, you know. Yeah. But with the Lauren Daigle shows, like they were sitting there ready for us. Like wow. we had like ten thousand, you know, pairs yeah. of eyes like right at us, kind of deal. So that wow. that was crazy. And most of those songs that I we played on that because we had a stripped down version of the band. We had no drums and no bass. Mm. So I was playing bass with my feet with foot pedals in my left hand. Wow. And, um, and I remember you telling me you yeah. did that with some bands before. So yeah. you had experience. I, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, but I've never been this exposed to it before. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and uh, I remember the sound check in our first spot. It was in Atlanta. Uh-huh. It's where the Atlanta Hawks play, you yeah. know, like that arena. So yeah. I remember I tapped one of my pedals, and the whole building shook. Oh, and it, like I'll never forget that feeling. And we all just kind of looked at each other, like this is this is what be. power. <laughs> and, and honestly, their voices filling up an arena. Michael oh, Antonio was just just incredible. It's it's haunting. Like yeah. You know, I remember yeah. them on uh, one of the CMA shows or Academy of Country shows yeah, yeah, yeah. when they sang with um, uh, Dirks Bentley mm-hmm. at the Station Inn, and they were doing yeah. uh, "Pride in the Name of Love" by by U two, yeah. and and uh, and and they were singing along with. Oh, they just stole the show. Well, and the thing is, like most of the songs, especially on that tour, uh-huh. I learned them during a sound check. Really? Yeah, we didn't have time. Uh, to how rehearse. do you do that? <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, like you just have to kind of figure out each other's language, yeah, basically in music, and like, yeah, I mean, it's with songwriting too. You yeah, know? like you know, mm-hmm. when you when you collaborate with somebody, if you don't speak the same language, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, and but sometimes you don't, and sometimes yeah. you don't, and yeah. that's okay. But I mean, you but eventually, yeah, you eventually find your people. I mean, yeah, it clicked, especially. Mm-hmm. with the four of us but our full band we really clicked too so they That's just great. built a team that we just know each other's movement. and like even our rehearsals like I, mm-hmm. I don't like rehearsing like I'm not that type <laughs> no. but like I love rehearsing with them I like you know so but anyway yeah I, I learned the songs during the sound check and um and we kind of built it on tour because like we didn't have any plans on how to do this thing so and eventually it just started getting better and better I used to take my little pocket horn with me on the road just to keep my trumpet chops in shape. That was the only point of it. And one day, like, it was after our sound check. It was, like, after dinner. We're kind of hanging out in one of the dressing rooms. And Michael goes, hey, pull out your horn. I have this song that I wrote a little while ago. And there's, like, a little horn part. Let's see if you kind of, you know, work through it. I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. So we played through it. And, like, and it's one of the songs he wrote when he was in the military. Excuse mm-hmm. me, and um, it has a spot where a trumpet player plays taps in the middle. Oh, of it. Okay. So he wanted me to kind of do that and kind of embellish it a little bit. Yeah. So I did. He's like, "Oh man, that's exactly what I was hearing." You know, when I was building the song, <laughs> well. we're doing that song tonight. I was like, <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Was yeah, Michael. That's that's forty five minutes from now. <laughs> I haven't actually played trumpet in like three or four days. And he's like, "Ah, oh, no, you'll be fine." I was like, "There's twelve thousand people out there." So, but he's a boss, you know. So um, I got out there, uh, closed my eyes. And just made sure air was going through the horn. And it, it worked out real well that first time. Oh, I think it was awesome. in Huntsville, Alabama. We, wow. we first did it. And it just became a part of the set. That's great. So uh, after that, and this was like, yeah, towards the beginning of the tour, too. So I was able to play that mm. song. And um, and that, that's the thing. Like, after that, then then your nerves calm down yeah. a little bit. But the problem with that song <laughs> is it's, the notes aren't hard. Michael's setup for that song, like he tells his story about being in the military. He's a wounded warrior. Mm. It, was, it gets very emotional, yeah. you know, and he gets a standing ovation every time. Like, I mean, 10,000 people give him a standing ovation. He talks about how he wrote the song. Then we play it. And it's very emotional. Mm. And for trumpet, like if there's any tension in my body whatsoever, yeah. it's not going to go right. So I'm just sitting there just taking deep breaths, you know, like just yeah. kind of calming everything down wow. and then going out and playing. And one of the nights 
we were in Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. and um, Michael's from Ohio too. But on this particular show was Veterans Day, oh, wow. and so we played this military song that he wrote um, on, on Veterans Day. Day. So mm-hmm. I come out, and it was getting really heavy. And I play, I played, I was, I was playing the solo. I open my eyes, and I, I see everybody in the arena is standing oh. with their cell phone lights shining on me. Oh, yeah, man. I almost lost it completely in the middle of that. Like, I, it, it took a lot. Oh. So that's where the energy goes, you know. Yeah. So you get moments like that that I'll, I'll never forget that for the rest of my I life. I imagine there's got to be YouTube video of that somewhere. People po- yeah, people are posting a little bit about we'll have that. To look for yeah. That. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully, I think we got some of them filmed, like some of our shows filmed. So we we'll see if we get we'll yeah. some. Those are some pretty, pretty. I mean, amazing it, times. Yeah, 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 just absolutely amazing. So, Soak it all in, man. Yeah. It's happening. You're living the dream. Man, I'm yeah. so proud of you. Thank you. Really thank you. And I mean, we were there from you were there from the beginning. You know, so we all <laughs> we all kind of started and cut yeah. our teeth together. You yeah, know? we kind of yeah. did here in Nashville. So, yeah. yeah. Listen, I got to hear another song from you. Though. All right, um, another composition for you. Tell yeah, a little absolutely. bit about about it, how it came about. Yeah. And, um, so and this is another one. Uh, I kind of came like this. I also wrote this when I was back home in California, just mm-hmm. kind of sitting down the piano, and yeah. uh, I came across this quote. That was presented to me as like a Native American proverb. I later found out it wasn't. Like nobody just knows who said it. But mm-hmm. uh, the quote goes, we do not inherit the land from our ancestors. We simply borrow it from our children. Oh. That's, that's a pretty different deep. way of looking exactly. at Exactly. And that really hit me. I really struck yeah. me. I was really kind of going over my head you know, over and over. And it's like, yeah, if you, and it kind of goes a little bit deeper than just that. Like, it's really like what we do, music. Yeah. Like, what's the point in us doing it if it can't be done in the future, future you know yeah. so that's why you know like for you like setting up those writers rounds giving singers a chance to kind of get their stuff out there like mm-hmm. you're creating opportunities for other people which i think is what mm-hmm. we do yeah you know and so all those kind of and i you know i taught for a little bit you know so all those you know you know fields started coming out so i, I wrote this simple little tune called borrowed land great so borrowed kieran gupta is our guest on the yeah. songwriter connection podcast
Listening to that, Kieran, I, I can hear uh, I, I can hear some of the influence, you know, yeah. uh, the Oscar Petersons, yeah. the McCoy Tyner, but some also some soul and some blues and even some classical. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's all in there, yet it all remains uniquely uh, Kieran Gupta. Oh, thank you, thank and, you, Dave. Uh, it, it's spectacular. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That means a lot, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being our guest oh, on the show man. today. Thank you for having me. Man. Yeah, this is, a, this is a lot of fun. You, know? <laughs> you were worth waiting for. I know you're so busy, yeah. and just to, to take a little time during the holidays from uh, if you're t- your busy touring st- uh, schedule. Yeah, uh, to be here, I'm just totally honored. Oh, yeah. for sure. And uh, just a quick little shout out to our mm-hmm. friend Hunter Wolf. Too, <laughs> Hunter, uh, yeah. I was checking out um, his episode that he did with you, yeah. and he gave me a shout out. So just they're fantastic. Right back at you, buddy. Yeah, I love them all. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Hey, continued success with the the Warren Treaty, and, and if you're out there, uh, you know, look up their site, find out where they're playing, go see them, and, and wave hello to Kieran Gupta. Watch yeah. his uh, trumpet solo on that yeah. on that one song. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kieran. We'll join right. you next week on the Songwriter Connection podcast. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.